Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hello and welcome to The Tonight Show. A man has been arrested in relation to the murder of primary school teacher Ashling Murphy. Virgin Media News crime correspondent Sarah O'Connor joins us live from Tullamore tonight. Minister for Health Stephen Donnelly has said that public health restrictions are likely to be lifted very soon. The hospitality sector, those in the entertainment sector as well, they've just had such a difficult two years. So anything we can do to ease the burden on them quickly, obviously will be, will be looked at very seriously by government. Back to the exam halls or a hybrid leaving cert for the class of 2022. Decision over this year's exams is still not yet known. And later, a summer of sun is back on the horizon as we look at the tourism sector at home and abroad. Get in touch on Twitter with your comments and questions on hashtag TonightVMTV. There's been a significant development in the investigation into the murder of schoolteacher Ashling Murphy in Tullamore with the arrest of a suspect today. It comes on the same day that mourners gathered for Ashling's funeral in County Offaly. Well, our crime correspondent Sarah O'Connor joins us now live from outside Tullamore Garda Station. And Sarah, can you bring us up to date on where we are in this investigation with the man being detained there tonight? Yes, Claire, as you say, this uh, man in his 30s continues to be held here at Tullamore Gartha Station tonight on suspicion of the murder of school teacher, 23-year-old Ashling Murphy, who was attacked and murdered as she went jogging just beside the canal in Cap and Kerr in uh, Tullamore last Wednesday at four o'clock. This man in his 30s has been a pub, uh, person of interest in this murder inquiry since last Thursday when he uh, presented himself at St James's Hospital in Dublin with injuries that uh, raised suspicions and today he officially became a suspect in this inquiry as he was arrested at around 11 o'clock uh, this morning. He was driven here in an unmarked Garda car to Tullamore Garda station. They arrived at around 12.30 and then he was led in. He walked in himself uh, flanked by officers uniformed and plainclothes officers wearing a grey hoodie, tracksuit bottoms and a face mask mask and his detention began. He can be questioned for a total of up to 24 hours and that doesn't include rest periods and at the end of that 24 hours he can either be released or there will be a court appearance. But uh, doctors obviously decided uh, today that he was fit for questioning both uh, mentally and physically. And Sarah, what more do we know about this suspect? 
Well, as I said, he's a man in his 30s. It's understood that he lived in County Offaly uh, for some time. He has a number of children and certainly Gardaí here have been liaising with Interpol because he has lived in a number of countries. To find out a little bit more about his background, he presented to St James's Hospital last Thursday with a number of injuries, both self-inflicted and other injuries that raise suspicions because they, there's a possibility they may have been sustained during a struggle. He was, it's believed, driven to the hospital by somebody that he knew. A number of vehicles linked to him have been uh, seized. A number of properties in Offaly in Dublin linked to him have been searched. So an awful lot of forensic evidence has been gathered as part of this uh, murder inquiry. And his DNA will have been, if it hasn't been already, cross-checked against all of that forensic evidence. Then he was, uh, a pers- as a person of interest, he was captured on CCTV on a bike that was very similar to that Falcon Storm mountain bike that was found close to where Ashling was murdered by the canal last Wednesday. Uh, that bike linked to the killer. Garthi believed that the killer then left the scene on foot. And then Garthi, of course, making that appeal very specifically uh, about a man in a black top, black tracksuit bottoms with a, a large white stripe on the side. If they saw this man walking in the Tullamore area uh, after four o'clock last Wednesday, after Ashling was murdered, if they saw him acting suspiciously in any way or if they gave him a lift to contact them here at the station. But the suspect continues to be held here tonight. Hey, Sarah O'Connor uh, joining us live from Tullamore tonight. Thank you for bringing us up to date on the investigation. Well, Ashling Murphy was remembered today as a woman who lived her short years to the full and made a difference. At the 23-year-old school teacher's funeral in County Offaly this afternoon, mourners heard how a depraved act of violence had deprived a kind, talented and loved young woman of her life. gift, a gift that only gave joy, that only gave love, that only gave fun and laughter to many, many, many beyond yourselves. We pray that the many vigils that took place in memory of Ashling mark the beginning of an end to violence against women. May the candlelight tributes bring an everlasting hope to all those that live in fear. Ashleen epitomised the beauty of life and shared her passion, gifts and talents with others so generously. We pray for her friends, colleagues and students in Ballybay Kyoltas, Kilcormaclaic Mogi Club and Skullnave Columkilladurra. May Ashleen's legacy live in the hearts of all she touched.
Well, to other news tonight, and there's a growing expectation that the National Public Health Emergency Team is set to recommend an easing of COVID restrictions and the first measures could be lifted. Irish Examiner political editor Daniel McConnell and Professor of Experimental Immunology at TCD, Professor Kingston Mills, uh, join me tonight on this. To come to you first, Kingston, we heard today from the Minister for Health saying um, Neffet and uh, ha has said the peak has passed on this. Would you be confident that the peak of this Omicron wave has indeed passed? And what's the measure of that? Yeah, I mean, there are a number of measures. Um, the case number is a bit artificial in that it's only as good as the number of cases that it, it actually detects. And in fact, we know that the case numbers were much higher than the numbers that are reported every day. But it is a metric of where the, the pandemic is at in Ireland. And it's no doubt that those numbers have come down. So it would appear that it's, it's um, reducing and will continue to reduce. If you look at what happened in... Um, South Africa, a very steep peak and a very steep decline, very low numbers there now. It's a bit different in South Africa because they had a lot of Delta cases, about 80% of population infected. But in the UK, which were week to 10 days ahead of us, the numbers um, have come down over the last week and they're, they're a bit further down than we are. So I would expect in the coming days that the case numbers will go down. But the real statistic of the numbers in hospitals and ICU, um, because um, that's what really matters in terms of who's going to really get sick mm. and who's potentially going to die from this uh, um, infection. And the numbers in hospitals are, are, are now stable. And in fact, a lot of the people in hospital didn't appears were not admitted with COVID. They were admitted for other um, ailments. Many of them were asymptomatic. In yeah, fact, and tested positive when they were in hospital. And that, that accounts for about 30% in hospitals. So it, it's, it's a bit of an artificial figure as well. The, the ICU numbers are the real figures. Uh, in terms of the great unknown and the uncertainty with what's ahead, it's another variant, isn't it? Do we know um, when that might come, when that might happen? Or is it more likely to to come towards the end of the year because there's a, there's a lot of talk isn't there that in the summer the milder months perhaps we don't get these variants. Is Any, that the anybody case? who says they can predict what's going to happen in terms of mutations of the virus are, are, are just simply wrong because you can't predict. No one predicted that we'd get a variant as, as, as um, difficult as Omicron. And I don't think anyone can predict when and what type of variant we're going to get next. So it is completely unknown. We do know for certain, and I think you could, you know, if you're a betting man, you could bet on this, that there will be further variants. And that, um, you know, the way the virus varies is it, 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 it changes to become more infectious. So there's a selection of variants that are more infectious and it also changes to move away from the immune response. So in vaccinated people, variants will be emerging that are able to escape the antibodies that the vaccine or previous infection has generated. So what's likely to happen with, if there is a further variant is that they're, they're probably going to be further away from being protected against the vaccine than the current variant. That's the, that's the most likely scenario, but no one can predict when that is going to happen. And if we can get most of the population vaccinated and recovered from infection or both, then at least in the countries where that has happened, there's less chance that a, um, a variant will emerge. But in other countries, in particular where the vaccine rate is low, and that's what, why it happened in South Africa and Botswana, where the vaccine rate is low, you're much more likely to see emergence of variants because the virus will still be circulating. Okay, uh, but you know, as you say there, if people have recovered from COVID, and we know with the number of cases that are out there that there are plenty of people now in recovery mode from COVID, is that likely to help protect us down the line from new variants? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, um, you know, the only... <laughs> 
good side of so many people getting infected is that the people who had been vaccinated with two doses or preferably three that got infected had a very, very mild disease. Not because the variant is, is necessarily milder, and that the jury is still out on that. It's really a, a virus that causes less disease in an immune population. And that's a distinction between previous variants. So if you go back to the Wuhan strain, it caused very severe disease, but nobody was immune to it. So it's impossible to compare the pathogenicity of Wuhan with, with that of, of, of Omicron. But at the same time, and because so many people have been infected, it could be half of the Irish population. And um, they will have an immunity not against Wuhan, but against Omicron. And if there's going to be another variant, it's most likely to be a mutation from Omicron. So a, anyone who's been infected with Omicron is more likely to have very good immunity against it and a small okay. change in it that might right. occur with a new we'll, variant. We'll take, we'll take the optimistic notes um, from that, <laughs> Kingston. Um, on to what the government must decide now regarding these restrictions. They were put in place with this wave approaching, Danny. Um, what's the sense now? We know that Leo Radker was uh, in front of the Fine Gael Parliament Parliamentary party um, setting out the 31st of March, um, perhaps as his ambition to see, you know, a full a full reopening of society. Let let not be overaccurate. Be at the front wave of, of good news, you know, as he as he's tended to be uh, since the formation of this government. Clearly, there's been a marked change in the sentiment within government circles uh, since before Christmas. I think I was on radio with Kinston before, just as Omicron emerged, and the sense of fear uh, about what was likely over the Christmas period was very stark. We're in a much more different and much more benign space now. And certainly the sentiment is, you know, the restrictions that are there that were put in place, as Kingston said, on a precautionary basis, um, will now be removed pretty quickly. How quickly? Well, we have been guided, as Stephen Donnegay even alluded to, that it could be as likely as some uh, as early as this weekend or early next week. Now, we know that they were due to lapse this sort of current uh, kind of construct of restrictions were due to lapse at the end of January anyway. Um, but there will be movement, I think, on that, particularly the 8pm sort of curfew on, on bars and restaurants. We know that certainly the direction of travel is to allow a full capacity at the Aviva Stadium, you know, in the first weekend of March for, for the Ireland-Wales match. We know the uh, Dublin-Kerry match in the GAA Championship is likely, or in the, in the league, I should say, is likely to get a similar kind of... Um, like that there should be a similar allowance in terms of capacity there. Indoor, other indoor events, like there'll be a relaxation on the numbers going to weddings and funerals from the 100 at the moment. So you're looking... Would that all be from this weekend? No, or I think, the, I think there might be a slight... I think there probably first. will be a staggered approach to that, maybe. But I do think what was very clear out of Leo Varadkar's comments at the parliamentary party meeting today is he's looking towards to having almost all of those restrictions gone by the end of March, including the use of uh, the COVID digital cert uh, for domestic purposes. He said it will be retained for, say, the international travel, because obviously there's an EU-wide approach being taken there. But certainly in terms of, you know, it being used to getting into bars, restaurants, that idea will last. The interesting thing, though, Claire, only a couple of weeks ago, NEFIT were pushing for the expansion of the use of the COVID cert beyond hospitality. So if we're going back, we're swinging the other way. That's a substantial change in a matter of weeks. Yeah, it is a big change. Um, you know, there was hope that these COVID certs wouldn't last forever, though, Kingston. Um, you know, when you hear about that having, you know, full uh, capacity for matches, do you believe that something 
like a vaccine certs are still necessary in those instances? I think it depends entirely on what happens in terms of numbers of cases, hospitalisation and ICU admissions in a, in a month's time, let's say. Um, if there's still, you know, if we still have significant number of people that are infected and going to hospital, we absolutely have to keep the COVID certs. And the COVID cert has to be expanded, not from two vaccines, but to three, because there's but no... they're happening anyway, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, in Europe it's happened, but it hasn't happened in Ireland. And people still talk about being fully vaccinated with two doses. You're not fully vaccinated with two votes, unfortunately. But now you, it's, you it know, takes three doses. People who have been boosted have been able to update their yes, existing have. COVID certs. That's that happening. Right? But, but it has to be, I don't know if it has been fully introduced for the use of the COVID cert in um, restaurants and bars, for example. Now, this particular variant seemed to, you know, uh, the, the, the vaccine didn't stop the transmission of Omicron. Therefore, people may legitimately question, well, why do you require a vaccine to go into a bar or restaurant? It does reduce the, the numbers of people getting infected, despite the, in, 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 a, in, a, in a, a percentage of people that get exposed, the, 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 the infection is reduced and the, the level of infection is much reduced. So the, the virus replication and therefore the number of days you're transmitting is significantly reduced, even in people who've had two doses, much better in three, with three doses. So there is still, um, a, a very strong case for maintaining the COVID cert, especially if the virus levels are still circulating at significant numbers. Right, OK. Um, on just, you know, the, the easing of restrictions on this date around March 31st, but that's also when the emergency powers that have been yeah. extended come into play as well. Um, is there is there a, a want in government for them to, to not have to extend them further? This is the use of masks and all mm. these other mitigation measures that have been put in place. Yeah, certainly, again, going back to what Stephen Donnelly said earlier today and what Leo Farrakhan again said before his party, that there is the, you know, there's a strong desire certainly being articulated about letting those emergency powers lapse. The narrative has changed quite substantially from them being necessary and we need to protect ourselves to one where we're now talking about the need to reopen society, the impact that this pandemic has had on young people in particular. Um, and, you know, that like, Veracker has, has trotted out this line several times in the last week about not being able to stand at a bar and buy a pint for the last two years in Ireland compared to elsewhere. So the narrative has certainly changed. Now, the cynic in me thinks that, you know, you look at poll numbers and the ratings for pol certain political parties in that 18 to 30 cohort that might be driving some of this. However, I do think that level of frustration is well justified. You know, we have been subjected to very conservative, very restrictive measures. Is there a danger with all of this that they're going to go back and do another U-turn on this again? Um, you know, they cannot guarantee this time with the reopening that they, we won't have to go back there again should these other variants come calling. I think the feeling and the sense is, and certainly the advice from the public health advice, you know, from the likes of Tony Holland and Neffet is that the worst is essentially seems to be over, that if further mu mutations and f variants come, they could be kind of offshoots of Omicron and they could necessarily, like this thing is essentially burning itself out. So therefore, like one of the issues that Leo Varecker raised at the PP is the idea of wearing masks could very well become a seasonal requirement as opposed to a kind of a mandatory one all the way through the year, which is an interesting kind of development. But also as well, I think there is that capacity for the system to ramp up and ramp down should the need arise. But I think the idea of going back into a sort of level five lockdowns Politically, the appetite for that is very, very low. Right, OK. Uh, well, there we have to leave it. That all brings up the whole question um, about forward planning on all of this and, and where we go towards the end of the year when we may expect a rise in cases again. Um, but for now, my thanks to Kingston and to Danny. Coming up after the break, we'll be discussing whether or not there should be a hybrid Leaving Cert model this year. Stay with us. Hi. 
Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back. A key meeting on the shape of Leaving Cert 2022 will take place later this week as pressure grows to offer students a hybrid assessment option because of the disruption they've experienced so far. Well, a little earlier I spoke to Leaving Cert student Stella Butler about what she'd like to see happen this year. Well, above all, Leaving Cert students want clarity, whatever form this may come in. Um, the president of the Irish Second Level Students' Union said that there was double the participation from students in their recent survey than in previous years. So students are crying out for confirmation. Personally, I'm hoping for a hybrid leaving cert, a choice of sitting the exams and accredited grades. Um, the ISSU's recent survey showed that the majority of students, 28 per, sorry, 68%, I believe, are in favour of a hybrid exam model. If a hybrid exam model isn't made available to us, at the very least, we deserve further adjustments to the papers. Between the months of remote learning last year and mass teacher and student absenteeism, it's difficult to believe that this year's Leaving Cert exam is currently in the pre-pandemic format. Students need confirmation sooner rather than later. Stella, could you describe how stressful this has been? Firstly, the remote learning that you were talking about, and now up to today, your mock's fast approaching and not knowing what's going to happen come June. Well, there's a sense of exhaustion amongst students. We've had our school life constantly disrupted and changed since transition year with no clear plan for what's to come. I know my classmates and I have spoken about the huge lack of motivation we're noticing. Because we don't know whether that we're going to be given further accommodations on the paper, we can't be sure we aren't wasting our time revising certain topics. Without a clear plan as to how the next few months will look, students are finding it difficult to decide how they're going to budget their time in this important final stretch towards the exams. The lack of clarity is a huge cause for anxiety and it only grows and grows the longer the government take to decide on the course of their actions. Okay, Stella Butler, Leaving Cert student at St. Raphael's School in Stillorgan in South Dublin. Thank you for joining us tonight with your thoughts on that. Thank you. Well, joining me now to discuss further is Minister of State at the Department of Further and Higher Education, Niall Collins, Sinn Féin's Education Spokesperson, Donna O'Leara, 
Teachers Union of Ireland, Martin Marjoram, and Chief Executive of Bernardas Ireland, Suzanne Connolly, and you're all very welcome along to the programme tonight. And I want to come to you first, Niall Collins, on this matter. We heard there from Stella Butler, it's a, and she's representing and reflecting the views of so many students up and down the country. Why has a decision not been made on this at this point? What's the thinking around it now? Well, good evening. Um, government is very conscious of the um, stress and the concerns of students and of parents and indeed everybody in relation to uh, the holding of Leaving Certificate 2022. And the minister will be this week consulting with all of the relevant stakeholders in relation to this. Um, we want to hear from everybody. Uh, the minister will be discussing in detail with everybody, will be t taking on board everybody's views, which is the right thing to do. That will include, obviously, students and teachers, school management, um, the State Examinations Commission, of course, who play a central role in all of this, the Department of Education itself, and uh, my own Department of Further and Higher Education. And, and it's important that that consultation takes place. And that decision, when it's finally arrived at, will be communicated uh, quite coherently and quite clearly. Um, we're in the middle of January. Uh, a decision in relation to last year's uh, Leaving Certificate 2021 was taken near the end of February, if I recall correctly. Um, so, um, you know, th there isn't um, any delay in relation to this. I want to be clear and I want to reassure um, our viewers tonight in relation to that, that it is a top priority for my colleague, the Minister for Education, Norma Foley, uh, obviously for for all of the school communities and for the people who have a vested interest um, in relation to this, particularly, of course, the students. Um, we do understand the concerns, as I said, but we are in a different space this year uh, in January 2022 uh, in, in comparison to where we were this time space, last year. Niall Collins, just to ask you, because students are saying that actually this particular class of 2022 had months out of school last year, fifth year, and they've had a lot of disruption. There's been plenty of COVID cases. They've had to work from home. It hasn't been straightforward for this class of 2022 either. Yeah, and it's important to make uh, this point that the, the adjustments to um, the assessments for Leaving Cert 2022, which were announced in August um, of last year, which is 2021, uh, took into account the disruptions um, which were encountered in, in early uh, 2021. And they also factored in, um, you know, a potential for disruption in, in the school year of 21-22. So, um, you know, a lot of, uh, I suppose, uh, forethought and planning and, and a lot has been learned from the experience of last year. When I say we're in that, a different that, space... Sorry, sorry, just to clarify, that's in terms of setting the exams. When they were, when they were creating the exams, they've looked to make them a, a little easier on the students. Is that it? Yeah, I, what, I, what I'm keen to stress is that uh, the experience of last year, um, a lot of experience has been gained in, in relation to that. Um, I'm not obviously involved in the setting of the exams. Um, you know, there are professional people involved in relation to that. But when I say we're in a different uh, space and in a different environment, uh, I, I'm referring to obviously the public health environment. Uh, we're a year further into COVID. Uh, we have the backdrop of vaccination. 
Um, we have um, obviously been experiencing and dealing with Omicron, and again, there are learnings in relation to that. And of course, we have invested um, significantly in our schools infrastructure um, in terms of um, providing um, modifications and okay. adjustments to our schools' many, physical many schools spaces. Will, many schools will say they still haven't got all of that uh, sorted as yet. Well, but I, I, just I want think to move it's on. important to say over 800 million euros has been spent uh, you know, in relation to our primary and our secondary school settings. That's not an insignificant amount of money. All right. All right. Uh, just to move on to our panel on this, um, you know, we've heard there, uh, Martin Marjoram, what, what uh, students have had to say, and then we've heard from um, the Minister on this. We were looking to speak to Minister Norma Foley. She wasn't available to come on the programme tonight on this matter. Um, but just on this, um, on this issue, what does the TUI want to see? Do you want the standard exams? Do you want students back in the exam halls and to do away with this idea of calculated grades? I think it's very important that the examinations w will go ahead. All of the public health advice currently says that. And actually, there are arrangements in place for all of the additional components, the, the orals and the practicals, some of them in the, the Easter break, and uh, second sittings as well, contingency sittings for those who might be affected by COVID. So that's a very positive thing. One other point, though, that, that needs to be made is we can't repeat what we did in previous years. The last two years, uh, while there was uh, an estimation uh, process, uh, school-based with regard to how uh, students uh, would do, had they the opportunity to sit examinations, there was a very important standardisation applied to that because of the obvious variations that happened. It's really difficult to deliver a system that, that is fair across the board. I mean, if you just have to look at uh, just how elaborate are the processes that go in to our state examinations every year, but they are trusted because they are fair. So it's In order to deliver that, you do need some bedrock data that is objective to base it on. What was done in the last two years relied very heavily on the junior cert data of the classes that were sitting, uh, or in, indeed in, in one year didn't sit at all because they, they couldn't in the, the first year of this. So it's, it's really, really important to have so something like have, that. You won't have that benchmark in the absence data. Of that, in the absence of that, it is, it's, it's, it's quite unwise to promise to students that something can be delivered that may not be possible. And I, I agree with the student voice that's been on here. We do need an early decision on this. But an early decision that promises something that turns out to be undeliverable is nearly the worst thing you could do. Okay. Or if we do try to put something together to replace that gap, it may not work. It may collapse as, as other systems have collapsed in, in other jurisdictions to the great damage of the students involved and to the great uncertainty of how they move on, how they move into, into work, into apprenticeship, into third level level education. So there are real dangers in making a, an, an, an ill-considered decision for all that we want and we're working very, very hard in classrooms right. to help the students and to support them. But we do have to be very careful how we move forward. Okay. Um, when you hear that, Donna O'Leary, uh, just on, on the way you approach it and that this year is different to the other couple of years because of that lack of, of data, I suppose that the junior cert results is something that teachers may have relied on in order to get to, to, to build a benchmark for the, the final grade that they're going to get upon leaving school. Do you agree that it's going to be tricky this year to do in that regard? Well, look, I mean, I think you've said that it's it's not the same as last year, and that's true, but it's certainly not a normal year either. Um, it is still a pandemic year, and, you know, we all think back on our own leaving certain 
re recall how challenging and stressful it was. Uh, we didn't have to contend with all the anxieties and stresses of a pandemic, nor did we have to contend with weeks, indeed months, of a school closure in fifth year, uh, even when you return to school, sixth years, and, and rightly, uh, being given priority within that year. Uh, and then this year, you could have endured uh, two periods of self-isolation, self three periods perhaps, and similarly for your subject teacher. So, what we are hearing is, and from my engagement with students, and indeed a lot of teachers as well around the country, they're saying to me that it is proving extremely challenging to cover the course in a lot of subjects. What the student voice is saying, uh, to my mind, is that they want the exams to go ahead, but that they want the option of an accredited grades. And, you know, there were people calling for the cancellation of the Leaving Cert last year that didn't want exams to go ahead. I knew, I knew that students wanted exams at that stage. I know that they want exams at this stage, but it's the choice uh, and the accredited grade uh, offering the backup to students who have found it really, really hard to cover the course. Mm. So yes, it can't be the precise same as last year, but what I would hope is that the stakeholder group tomorrow would be examining how we can get around that and how we can ensure that there is a standardisation, that it is fair, uh, that it is rigorous uh, and that it can stand up to scrutiny. I believe there are ways to do that. It can't be precisely the so same that it, as last that, that you believe that the hybrid model, the twin track approach, the sit, sit, uh, sit, sitting exam as well as the calculated grades need to be, need to be looked at and need to be uh, confirmed for this year. I, I think there has view. to be that choice, yeah, absolutely. Um, that choice um, to students over the last couple of years has certainly shed light, I think, on the difficulties and stresses that leaving certain students feel, Suzanne Connolly. Mm -hmm. um, from a student, from a child's perspective, the last couple of years have been um, especially difficult. Um, what would your view on the, be on the extra pressure that students are now under um, as we deal with more uncertainty? I mean, these two years have been really difficult for all children. We know that. And for the children that Bernardo is really are worried about, children from social and economically disadvantaged backgrounds, it's been really, really harrowing. And we need to bear in mind that there's a lot of parents out there who've been really supportive of their children and really enabled them to do as well as they could with remote learning. But there's some families dealing with really difficult situations like acrimonious separation, domestic violence, poverty, and those children haven't had the support. So they're really, really struggling. And one of the things we've wanted in Bernardo's is for the government to say what they're going to do to help those children catch up, to help those children do as well as they can, ideally in a, in a hybrid system, because that's what children that we provide services to are asking for. And they certainly need certainty, as Stella has been saying. And it's, it's incumbent on us to do as well as we can for these really vulnerable group of children that we, we have in, in, in our society. And one thing I'd like to say is I understand that the, the minister has somewhere in, in, on her table a review that was done in relation to the senior cycle. And there was an actual review by the National Council for Curriculum Assessment of in, involving all the stakeholders in relation to the senior cycle. So it would be very helpful if that report was published and was part of this, this discussion about what's best for children. Yeah, and uh, what's best for children, Niall Collins? That is the big question. We know what students want here. We've heard then the voice of Bernardo speaking for vulnerable children out there, different socioeconomic backgrounds, and then the impact that has on them getting further education, education being um, a key to getting out of disadvantage. Are we looking closely in the round at the Leaving Cert model and how it doesn't set everyone up for life? 
Well, th- th- there's no two ways about it. The, the, the Leaving Cert ha- has been um, a permanent feature in our education landscape for a long, long time. And, and there is um, a discussion happening in every home right around Ireland in, in relation uh, to reforming it, uh, in relation to how we can make it work better um, for everybody. But I, I think it's uh, fair to say the department that I'm associated with, the Department of Further and Higher Education, um, our, our job is to uh, provide for everybody right across the further and higher edu- education landscape. And that's something that we're very, very focused on doing. Um, you mentioned yourself, for example, the, the whole area of apprenticeships, um, where we have now mainstreamed that into the CAO, um, into the CAO system. We've uh, built it into the, the CAO um, website and information a system where people can get information and and uh, apply for apprenticeships. So all of that is very, very important. But the, the message that I want to uh, people to take away from tonight is that the, the minister and the government will give very due consideration. I think the points that have been made from all the contributors on the discussion here tonight are very, very valid, uh, particularly, into, uh, particularly in relation to students who are disadvantaged. And all of that will be taken fully on board and uh, the correct decision will, will be arrived at. Um, the, particularly in relation um, to, to the, the students who sat the junior cert, and we have another cohort who obviously didn't sit the junior cert, that's an added uh, complexity. But okay. the fact that the, the minister has already said that there will be an alternative leaving cert, which will be available to everybody after the main leaving certificate, um, I think is a very, very positive and proactive move. Right. Okay. What do you make of that move? Um, that you know, all these things will be taken into account. We still haven't got a final decision, of course. Um, but you know, from Sinn Fein's point of view, um, that that something will be done, or these additional factors and difficulties um, will be taken into account. Yeah. Well, look. I mean, I'm glad that this meeting's happening tomorrow, and I'm also, I suppose, I'm glad that there's going to be a second sitting because that's something I called for last year and, and didn't happen. I was quite frustrated that it didn't happen. Um, Look, I mean, my own preference is that this stakeholder meeting would be uh, convening to discuss how we deliver that choice, because I think the circumstances are such that students are going to find it very, very hard uh, to cover the sub- their, yeah. their, their courses in an awful lot of subjects. So I, I think choice needs to be the focus of the discussion, not uh, just one of the, the options being discussed and that the, the preferred option is, is a normal leaving cert, because okay. this isn't a normal year. Um, we, we got a tweet in tonight from a student with autism who says there ne- that hybrid model Model needs to be applied. It needs to be applied for students like her. And uh, and ca- can we consider that, given the difficulties, the disruption that has been there, that we we look a bit broader, despite the difficulties that you say that we'll face in delivering calculated grades this year, Martin. We want the best for our students and we do want something that's reliable. Nothing has come forward so far, I have to say, uh, other than a a wish that we might be able to find something that fixes that problem. I think maybe the focus needs to be on on the other thing that Stella mentioned, which we're certainly surveying our members about, which are additional adjustments that need to be made to the examinations to take account of of lost tuition time and to allow students to to focus more on the the material that really needs to to be covered. particularly if we could make that less material so that they have a better chance to show their, their real right, so abilities and achievements. Make, make the exams as they stand, the traditional exam, but make it a, an easier exam this year. 
offer more choice, take into account that it has been difficult to cover the entire syllabus. We, we pushed for something similar to that last year successfully and as I say we are uh, surveying our, our subject experts if you like up and down in, in classrooms around the country to see what they're uh, going to suggest and we will be bringing that forward. We've had hundreds of replies and we think that's where the, the focus is, is most usefully put rather than possibly putting together something that just won't work. Okay um, and briefly Suzanne on all of this um, do you think you know from from a, a children's perspective in terms of education as I say being a, being a key lever in, in helping someone in their life that there needs to be a change to how how we do it and for those who don't want to go on to third level or don't want to go on to college should they have to sit the leaving cert should it be something different do we need to change our whole approach? We certainly need to review the leaving cert as it currently operates and we need to ensure that it it, we have a system that sets children up for life, enables children to be aware of what skills and abilities they have and what knowledge they need to develop so they can really thrive and contribute to society and get jobs and really be hopeful about the future. Can I just say, whatever we decide tomorrow or in the next month or so, we need to do whatever is in children's best interests and that includes children who are socially and economically disadvantaged and children with disabilities. I think that is essential and really important. Okay, and just bring you briefly to a couple of tweets we got in on that. Leaving search should be continual assessment. They had a perfect opportunity to get things moving over the last couple of years, but again, squandered that chance. And it was clear last year that we wouldn't be fully out of this. Why not say then that we're having a hybrid exam, no matter what stage we were at then? Uh, well, there we'll have to leave that. My thanks to the panel here in studio. Coming up after the break with restrictions now likely to ease in the coming weeks, we'll take a look at what the tourism season at home and abroad might look like. back now with hopes of a summer sun holiday abroad on the horizon for many. What will this mean for the Irish staycation? Joining me now to discuss the CEO of Tour America, Mary McKenna, and ambassador for Harvey's Point in County Donegal, Noel Cunningham. You're both very welcome along to the programme. Uh, Mary, to come to you first on all of this and I suppose high hopes for travel abroad returning this year for many. Um, are you seeing in your experience people getting in touch with you now looking for that holiday, looking to finally get out of the country? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I can't tell you, Claire, how happy we are to see this happen. But it's been a tough two years and in particular tough for clients as well. So a lot of them had to reorganise their holidays um, and move them maybe several times. So what we've seen now in particular in the last two weeks is a huge interest. And, uh, and just to let you know, it's very important uh, because flights are filling up like Easter is actually completely full now to the States. So uh, a lot of people booking Christmas, a lot of people booking Orlando, but there's huge interest and, uh, and we just can't wait to take care of clients. Do you think you're back to normal then in terms of trading and interest in people going abroad and taking holidays? Well, all the indications are, are saying, yes, we are. We're certainly seeing the interest uh, on the phones. Um, and interestingly, what we're seeing now as well is a, is a different spend. So people are now uh, planning their holiday and they're saying, we're actually going to go for a higher hotel, uh, higher um, star hotel. Like So they might have gone for four, they're going for five star. Or maybe looking at business class where they had gone economy. And sometimes the difference isn't that big to go from economy to uh, business class. 
class. Um, the other thing we're seeing... These, the, these people on the family holidays and that deciding to fly business class instead of standard economy. I, I, like, I mean, you wouldn't believe it. We're seeing a huge amount of business class being sold. Um, and also, the most important thing is they're now seeing the importance of a licensed and bonded travel company because their money is protected. And that's a question they're asking when they're calling, are you licensed and bonded? And it's been an interesting time for us, in particular over the last few weeks, because the rules changed on, on the antigen test before you left the States. And we saw the importance of having our rep, having our office in Orlando, helping customers to find out where they got an antigen test or where they got a PCR test. Now, thanks be to God, that is gone from the States. But that was in effect. I was only down there two weeks ago and, and I had to get a PCR test before I flew home. Yeah, and it's those travel restrictions that, that have been putting a lot of people off to date. Yeah, well, do you know what? We're in the business to give advice and give tips. And, and the one thing, even having travelled myself, there's a couple of things that make life very easy for you. If you're going to the States, all right, get to the airport early, do the fast track, or if it's an older couple, maybe they can do the VIP, uh, which a Dublin airport offer, where they bring you straight to the plane. Um, you know, having talking to us and getting all your paperwork in order, you need to get an ESTA form. There's a couple of uh, forms you need to complete. So that's what we're there to help customers. To, to get through get through all of this and get on their holidays. Well, no, Cunningham, I want to bring you in here because I'm sure you've seen a bumper couple of years during the summer, at least, in terms of those staycationers who'd otherwise be jetting off to Spain or around Europe or even further afield, as Mary was saying. Um, what are you hoping for this summer? Hi, Claire. Hi, Mary. You know what? It's very exciting because despite what Mary says, and I'm delighted that that enthusiasm for travel is reignited, we have benefited hugely from COVID. Those couple of years have been extraordinary insofar as we, the most badly affected industry, for a variety of reasons, with lockdowns, etc., we still managed to invest, to regroup, to be innovative, and I still see that the huge benefits that people discovered their own country, they've discovered new sort of places to visit, people within their own communities and counties have been innovative in providing more. My goodness, look at Cork, it's like being in a continental city with the outdoor alfresco dining and all of that, it's wonderful. No. Are you worried when yeah. you hear Mary saying there's not only people booking to go away now, they're not flying economy, they're flying business. That's where people are spending their money. So they may not decide to go on their trip to Donegal this year or down to Cork, as you mentioned, um, and that you may lose out on that business that you've enjoyed for the last couple of years. We won't because all of the figures are indicating that there's still a huge interest in coming to Donegal, traveling throughout the country. Uh, stay, uh, I dislike the word staycation. I prefer to say holiday at home. I think people might be slightly losing the run of themselves, taking their family in business class, but good luck to them. It's marvelous. And I'd love to see people travel, but there's room for all of us. There's room for a very strong, healthy, domestic tourism market. There is a great interest in Ireland coming from outside because it works both ways. I'm hoping that American families will be flying their children in business class to come and visit us that? in Donegal. Are you already seeing that? Are people booking in, people from, from the Absolutely. States already booking with you for this summer or the coming months? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And still a very buoyant, very strong uh, domestic market that is planning, are planning their holidays for this summer because despite what Mary says, and it's very positive and I love it, there is still a certain number of people who are a little bit nervous, older people a little bit stressed about maybe the whole idea of travel yet, you know, and all the paperwork that's involved in antigen tests and PCR tests, etc. That is all, that will find its own level. There's room for us all. It's well, very good. positive. You're, you know. you're positive about it all anyway, Noel. Um, just to you, Mary, on that, and just we, we touched on it there, but the rigmarole, um, finally, um, you, you believe that, uh, and briefly, you believe that, you know, it will be easier and it'll get easier for people this year if they do wish to take that trip abroad. Absolutely, and I love listening to Noel because actually I have to say, as an Irish person, I think we should support Irish hotels and support Irish companies, but everybody wants to go away on holidays and uh, look, at the end of the day, I'd love them to go to the States, I'd love them to support Irish hotels as well. I think there is room for us all, as Noel says, um, but this uh, 2022 and 2023 is going to be great, and I want to say a big thank you to our customers. Okay. Um, all right, well, that's a very positive note to leave the show on tonight. That is it from my thanks to Mary and to Noel who joined us via Skype from lovely Donegal. Our programme is available as a podcast on all major platforms. Our next news is on Ireland AM tomorrow morning, but from all the late team here, good night and do take care. This is a Virgin Media Originals podcast series. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.